Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast. The podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game. This time with a beautiful result in the FA Cup. Yes, we've beaten Grimsby 5-0. And we have romped through for our revenge game. 40 years ago against Manchester United after we were drawn against them. And, well, them or Fulham, and they prevailed shortly thereafter. So it's us against Man U, and it's Man City against Sheffield United in the semi-finals. Here to talk about that, and also various other things, is my usual co-host, Peter Marsh. Hey, Russ. How are you doing? Excellent. And we have our... uh, Yes, I'm very well, thanks. We have our regular guest contributor, Andy Bashback. Welcome back, Andy. Yeah, good to be back. Good to be back. It feels like only a few days ago I was slurring in a pub with you, and, uh, in, and here we are indeed. again. <laughs> indeed. And we had some marvellous um, off-air stuff out of Peter slurring on the train. He was a complete <laughs> mess on the way home. I hasten to add. We're not putting that on the airwaves, uh, although it could be persuadable for a, uh, a large price. Anyway, also joining us to make a quartet is um, making his debut, Seagulls Over London member I've known for a couple of years, as has Peter, uh, a few years, I think now. Um, it's Mr. Alistair Rapley. Welcome to the podcast, Alistair. How are you? Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here after so many years. Why wasn't I on before? <laughs> exactly. We were trying to get you on, weren't we? And there's been a, a yes. series of um, things that have pre- prevented it from <laughs> happening. I think we were going to do it after the Paul Barber, the Paul Barber thing down the pub a few weeks ago. And we it all it all got a bit chaotic and noisy, so uh, we didn't do it then. We couldn't do it another time. And finally, we've got you on. So it's great to have you with us. Um, as we said, we're going to talk about the Grimsby. Uh, match. We're going to talk about any other football business that we want to discuss as well on this episode as we uh, prepare ourselves for the boredom of an international uh, break. And um, also, of course, um, this is where we'll start, we've got to get your backstory, Alistair. How and when and why and to what glorious degree did you start becoming an Albion fan originally? Well, as, as you can probably tell from my voice, I'm a very old man, so it's going to be a very long story. Um, I was born in uh, in 1950 in Brighton uh, in the Sussex Maternity Hospital in Buckingham Road. Buckingham Road is um, a short walk up, up the hill from uh, 
from Brighton Station, but I have never actually lived in, in Brighton since I was born. I lived in the village of Falking, which is um, uh, one mile away from Poynings, which is below the Devil's Dyke when you look uh, northwards up to London. And um, my family um, owned a small holding, about 25 acres or so, which included a market garden. Um, we had six cows, which we milked, and um, and we had the local milk round for three villages, Edburton, Falking and Poynings. So um, it was quite a quite a, a country life that I had. Weirdly, uh, when you think about it, when you look at the map, we're only about seven miles from the coast. Um, but because we were um, below the uh, the downs, it was like being in the middle of nowhere. There was a bus every three hours, and, and that was about it, really. And uh, so, it, but it was a great life. And uh, of course, it, it, your your first uh, home is always a great life because you know nothing nothing different, I suppose. Um, and I went to my first school was. Um, uh, Poynings uh, Primary School, which was a village school, which contained um, a grand total of 35 pupils aged from 5 to 11. And, uh, um, and around about the age of 10 or so, I, um, I cajoled my dad into taking me to, to football. And my first match was, I've got it written down because I've, I've kept a record of all of the matches, was on Saturday, the 26th of March, 1960, the legendary Division Two match between Albion and Rotherham United, which finished nil-nil. Um, but, but you're not going to believe this, and I can't believe this either. In conversation with Peter's father the other month, we find that Peter's father and I, that was our first ever debut match, wasn't it, Peter? Quite incredible. Yeah, I remember him saying that, yeah. It was like, yeah. I knew that was his first game. Yeah. And, um, Small world. Yes, indeed. But um, we established we, we didn't see each other. We were on opposite sides of the ground, I think. The next two matches were pretty remarkable as well, for me anyway. The second one, a month later, was a 3-2 home win against Middlesbrough. And at centre forward was the legendary Brian Clough. And he scored a fabulous goal from about 20 yards or so. Um, so that was quite something. And then the third match, incredibly, was against a Brazilian team, Fluminense. Um, and for some reason or other, um, we, they came on tour and they came to play at Brighton's ground. And they would have had probably one or two internationals from the famous 1958 World Cup winning team. So the, the first three matches were, were pretty terrific. Blimey, that's amazing. I didn't know they played Fluminense. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, it was quite a, quite a game. Um, so I was lucky enough to pass my 11 plus, And in the 1960s, I attended Brighton Hove and Sussex Grammar School, which is um, the red brick building on the junction of Dyke Road and, um, and uh, Shoreham, Old Shoreham Road. And um, that was quite a shock for me because from going from a, a mixed infant school of 35 to a, a school where there's 650 boys and uh, these these masters will dress like they come from Hogwarts in their in their cloaks and hats and God knows whatever. But having said all of that, it was great because for the first time ever, I got to play a proper game of football on a proper football pitch, um, which was which was quite something. And also, um, in the first two or three years at, at, at Brighton Grammar School were brilliant because we had the fabulous season 1964-65 um, when uh, Bobby Smith played and we won the Division Four Championship. 
And uh, it was it was one of the, it still is one of the greatest seasons, or it's probably the greatest season I've known. It was it was scoring over a hundred goals, crowds twenty twenty five thousand for each game, and Bobby Smith was brilliant. Um, so um, the only um, footballer that, of consequence that I, I can be able to find that, that went to Brighton Grammar School was Adrian Thorne, who famously scored five goals in, in the Watford game when, when Albion were first promoted in, in 1958. Um, I, I was wondering why there hadn't been any others, but um, a couple of years ago, unfortunately, uh, very sadly, a, a, a contemporary of mine called John Small passed away. And um, and he had an obituary in the Telegraph, and um, there was a paragraph about him to say that he he was a boarder at Brighton Hove and Sussex Grammar School. He excelled at games, but was forbidden by his headmaster on the grounds that this boy is an academic from having trials with Brighton and Hove Albion FC. Now imagine that today, if a boy was offered a, a trial at Brighton Hove Albion, the headmaster would have him in the car down there within seconds, wouldn't he? On on the pretext of you know he's guaranteed a million pound a week from from now for the rest of his life. How how life has changed. The other um, exciting thing about um, about Brighton Grammar School at that time in the in the nineteen sixties was the two sportsmasters. They run ran all the the games, the the cricket, the the football, athletics, and all the P things, and which. There were two Mikes, Mike Smith and Mike Yaxley. And they've turned out to be incredible people. Towards the end of the 90s, Mike Smith was a, a, a coach. I think he coached Lansing for some time. And he also coached England, England grammar schools. Um, towards, in around about 1967, 68, he left the school and he joined the Welsh FA to run uh, the amateur teams and, and do coaching and whatever. And incredibly, around about 1973-74, he was made team manager of the full Welsh team. And he managed to get them to the quarterfinals of the Euros in 1976. It was an incredible achievement for someone who'd never been a professional footballer. Um, and um, he, he subsequently um, uh, became manager of Hull City for a year or two. And um, which didn't he wasn't very successful there. But uh, the other um, amazing fact is that he remains, I believe, the only English manager to to have um, won the um, Euro African Cup of Nations with Egypt uh, a few years later. So that's an incredible achievement. Wow. The other fellow, um, his assistant, was uh, Mike Yaxley. And Mike Yaxley, even towards the, the the, the time that I was at uh, the school, um, he, certain uh, football matches or practices and whatever, he would bring in one or two um, uh, young fellows from from the Albion youth team or something, you know, just to to, to show show them what was going on. And um, eventually he left, and um, he became the trainer or physiotherapist of, of the Albion. And um, he was famously part of the 1983 team, sitting on the bench next to Jimmy Melia um, in uh, in the FA Cup final. So, and, and he, I believe, he qualified as a professional physiotherapist, and and certainly it, he was um, around in the period whereby um, sports science became very important. You know, the old days of a bucket and sponge, uh, the magic sponge. Um, uh, 
were long gone and and he was at the forefront i think of a lot of uh, a lot of things that happened in that in that area um i left forking um when i was about 20 in, in 1970 and i became an accountant in working in commodity firms until i retired in 2019 and and of course i i had to uh, live somewhere important of course i live in croydon you know, which has got one of the most best football teams in the whole country, if you think about it. I mean, I, I don't think you've ever heard of them. Um, <laughs> I watched uh, Albion until about seasons 1993-94, going to away games and, and all the rest of it. Um, but around about that time, I, I fell out of love with them. Um, my boys um, were at school um, and I started going to, uh, they were in sports and whatever. I started going to watch them play weekends and one thing and the other. And also uh, having become a season ticket holder, of course, it, we were just coming up to the 1996 when by um, we'd lose the ground and all this sort of thing. And um, I just became uh, very despondent about, you know, every game I was going to, people were moaning, complaining and all the rest of it. And I was thinking to myself, well, I don't enjoy it. If I don't, um, you know, what's the point in carrying on? So I, I, I sort of, um, although I was still interested in the in the results and this, that and the other, um, I, I, as I said, I, I fell apart, fell away from them. Um, and in fact, I never, ever went to, to a match at Gillingham or the Withdean Stadium. Um, in 2010, um, I decided to return to school um, for the for the annual reunion. Um, at that point, the school had become uh, Brighton, Hove and Sussex Sixth Form College, Basvik. So, and instead of having 650 boys, it now it now boasts 3,400 students, Sixth Form students. Incredible number. Um, and it was in. Uh, in 2010, when I was there, I was I was uh, placed on a table next to a fellow who was uh, who introduced himself as being an accountant at um, in uh, in London, and um, I then subsequently found out I was sitting next to Paul Welsh. Ah. Welsh, of course, is the founder of our Seagulls over London. Yes, um, indeed. Yeah. And um, and. And for my sins, I, um, it wasn't until he passed away, sadly, um, that, that I, I started going to the, to, to the seagulls over London. So I should have done that earlier, I know. Hmm. Hmm. Um, T- ties up in, in, interesting, isn't it? Small worlds. That's right. So when uh, COVID lockdown came along, um, you know, I, I was, for some years I've been following obviously Brighton closely, but it'd been impossible to get a, a season ticket or a ticket anyway. But when COVID came along, suddenly the waiting list disappears and I'm in there like a shot. And, um, and I sit in the East stand, um, on the halfway line. And, and, uh, and it's been absolutely brilliant. It has been quite good, hasn't it? Not too bad at all so far, <laughs> especially no. in the most recent of years. Um, and, all the more f- happy to have you there as well as we all are, of course, um, enjoying the games, enjoying the team, enjoying the way we're going at the moment. Uh, superb. And Forking, I've got to say on Forking, it's got, or it did have, and I presume it still has, cracking pub down there on that little country lane. Um, yeah, Shepherd and Dog. Shepherd and Dog, that's the one, yeah. Going down the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Is that still there, do you know? Or Andy oh, or yes. Oh, yes. yes. Excellent. I'll have to get back down there sometime. I remember having a really good meal there. I hope the cook's still good and whatever else. Uh, but uh, and, it's, and it's also the home of Preston Nomads cricket team. 
Oh, okay. Right. Very famous. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, that's quite a story, I've got to say. You've, you've, you're more comprehensive than most in your detailed knowledge or, or, or um, note taking. If you've got, if you've got um, old notes or whatever, I don't know. People do keep spreadsheets and all sorts, don't they now? Um, but um, you seem to remember a lot about your, those, those childhood memories and those early memories, which is great to hear. And were you, so you were mainly, were you going in the East Terrace? In the early days of the Goldstone, would you say? No, I, I was, uh, as a child, I, oh, a child as, a, as a teenager, I suppose, it was the North Stand was the place to be. Hmm. And, yeah, that's where I, I saw most of the matches. And, um, and as I became more age, middle-aged, aged, um, I uh, decided to, to go into the West Stand. Is it the West Stand? East Stand, isn't it? Uh um, West Stand. It was the West Stand, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, a bit of West. Yeah, uh, behind the director's box and whatever. Yeah, the West. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So you've you've seen plenty of plenty of eras uh, in terms of uh, sort of micro generations of players or whatever you want to call it. Um, lots of different um, different periods. And um, I guess would you would it be fair to say that the current generation, the current football, obviously it's the best we've been playing in terms of our status and so on. But is it the most enjoyable, or, or would you find there are certain parts in the in the memories um, that uh, are even fonder than the experiences of today? I think I think that what I would say it's a totally different world, totally different world. The the, the first thing that, that comes to mind are the pitches, of course. You know, yeah. after about two games in a, to a season, it'll be a mud, mud flats and, and all the rest of it. And that's, that's the main thing that, that I note. So therefore the football is totally different, um, in, in that sense. Um, yeah. and, and the other thing, uh, weirdly is, is I find are the, are the, the football, the football itself. Um, in, I think in my day that for the, for a, a goalkeeper to be able to kick it any distance into into the opponent's half was very rare. Mm. Now you can see a goalie kicking it to another goalie very easily. So either the boots or or the goalies are stronger, or more likely the the uh, the footballers are lighter. And and of course there isn't the mud and and, and gunge to to hold the things up anyway. Mm. So that, that I find the two most different things but in terms of the um uh um the watching the atmosphere and of course the the, the thing that really is, is t- uh, i find is, is so incredible is is the um is the tv um you know you can see every game now whereas you know if you didn't um all you had to rely on was the newspapers if if you didn't get to a game yeah the coverage is phenomenal now and yeah, yeah. Maybe some people may say saturation points and all the rest of it but uh, quite honestly, I think it's great. Uh, you can always switch off what you don't want to watch still, can't you? But it's nice to have the availability to watch what you do want. And especially for Albion games, I mean, growing up as a kid, sort of mainly sort of 70s a bit, but mainly 80s, just remembering clinging to any coverage that was of, of the Albion. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a game against Sheffield United. Um, I think it was it might have been an FA Cup game, actually, at Bramall Lane, when they had all those pillars along the the main stand opposite the TV cameras. I've got fond memories of watching that game, even though we lost. It was just seeing the club being shown on TV was a rare treat. I think we were second tier 
at the time. And also Norwich. I remember Terry Connor with a spectacular diving headed own goal, <laughs> um, which was a bit uh, disappointing. I think it was a 3-0 defeat or something. And it, you, know, you really didn't get much coverage. So you just clung to whatever you could. And it wasn't many games where we won, <laughs> I have to say. Yeah. Um, so you remember, you remember I gave a, a, a short talk on, on the Brighton-Halifax game in, in the big freeze in 1963. Yeah, this is at Seagulls over London, isn't it? That's yeah. right. And, memorabilia um, day, yeah. And, and even this was before Match of the Day uh, mm. came along. And uh, even at that time, the, the BBC had a half-hour sports show on Saturday nights, um, including rugby and this, that and the other. And um, and because everything had been called off, um, the Brighton-Halifax game was, was on the highlights. Uh, and I mm. think, and I... I don't know if anyone else could, could uh, confirm it. I suspect that that was probably the first ever time that uh, Albin had been on a highlight show, you know, with, with te- 10 minutes or, or whatever. Occasionally you might see the old goal, but um, but uh, I think that was probably the first time ever. Ooh, answers on a postcard. I'm not sure any of us can answer that one, can we? <laughs> um, postcards? Well, probably. They probably have them in the... Uh, the smallest of post offices somewhere. <laughs> anyway, answers on a on a digital format. <laughs> um, if anyone does know, actually, I would be interested to know that. But you might well be right, Alistair. I'm, I'm pretty sure you probably are there. Um, so yeah, fascinating accounts of the, of the past there. And uh, you know, you've you're, you're in the east, as is Peter, Andy, and I in the west upper. I think whichever area you're in, you get a different, obviously, a different view of the game, but you get a different perspective of the game. I think and. Um, it's interesting. I've been in the East once or twice, and you know you, you're you're further down to ground level if you're on the on the lower floor there than we are. We're we're in the West Upper, um, but it's. That's it's not the East and the West, though. That's because you're on the lower bit rather than the upper bit. Yes, that that is that. Yeah, there is that. I know. Yes, if you're yes. in the West Lower as well. You'd also have that that lower. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> um, but um, it's it's great. That's no, good. Good to hear. So. Um, Andy, I wasn't in the um, the usual area for Grimsby. We're going to come on to Grimsby in uh, part two. Um, were you in the usual area for that, by the way, West Upper? Yes, yeah, had my usual seat. So it's a good seat. I always go there. Yeah. Uh, unless the upper tier is not open, but um, hmm. the games are that, yeah, there's no, it was always going to be open. So I was just delighted to get my seat as soon as I possibly could. Yeah, well, we have representation in all available, um, well, geographical areas anyway, because um, I, I, I migrated to the north for a rare treat, occasionally just hook up with some other friends over that way and uh, yeah, just get a different perspective. There's dead centre, back row behind the goal. So it's the best possible location within the north, which is great. So we have one in each area. And, and, and Alice, were you at the game as well? On, I was, yes. yes. So, uh, were you in your usual area? I certainly was, yes. It was terrific. Okay. Well, yeah. I- so in, in a strange way, one of the best games I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, right. OK, well, I was, that was going to be a final <laughs> question on the first part, actually, was uh, to ask you what you would say would be your favourite game. But I think you might have just answered that. Mm. But what, what else? If, if we weren't, if we discount Sunday, what are we talking in terms of that best? Best game. I best suppose, game. I suppose yeah. it has to be the, 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 the cup final. It has to be the cup final, the 2-2 draw. It was stunning. No one expected us to do anything. You know, we were relegated. Even deep down, you know, deep down, that we I thought we would get hammered. And in fact, we were in, in, the, in the second game. But um, it, it has to be just, just to stand outside the, the stadium at 
Wembley Stadium that say, well, I'm going to watch Albion in a cup final. Unbelievable. And, and, and even if we have a thousand cup finals, the, the first one is always the best. Yeah. And there'll never be the Twin Towers experience again. Of course, um, they've long since sort of demolished that now and we've got the new version of the stadium. I, I don't know if you've been there before or whether you're going to go for the semi-final. Presumably you're going to try. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a different experience, isn't it? And even if we do get to the cup final um, by beating United this year, which we'd have to do to do so, um, I wonder how that will compare as an experience. Maybe we'll have to get you back on to discuss that <laughs> when the scenario occurs. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. That's part one. We're going to finish with a little bit of audio. I took a couple of bits of audio from the Grimsby game. This first bit is the pre-match. Um, as we go into our break, uh, this is us on the train on the way to the ground with a bit of banter with the Grimsby fans. And just to clarify, yes, they are Grimsby fans you're hearing here, not Palace fans. They were just singing Palace songs to wind us, to wind us up at one point. Lots of good banter, uh, but we quite enjoyed ourselves. Uh, and we'll be back in part two after this little bit of audio. Mind the gap, mind the gap, Crystal Palace. Mind the gap, mind the gap, I say. Mind the gap, mind the gap, Crystal Palace. Getting better every time we play. We're Palace, we're Palace, we're Palace. That's the way we like it, we like it, we like it. It's the wings of the sparrow. Shit on the bastards below. And make their chips as well. Shit on. Shit on the bastards below. Below. Shit on. That's what the seagulls did to us today. That's trying to be good luck, isn't it? That's shit. Don't you buy any chips, Billy. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are there is one we could there is one we could both sing pre-match the Wembley song Go on, what's that about? (laughs) 
Yes, so welcome back to part two. Good bit of banter there on the train. And we enjoyed the match, of course, subsequently, which we will talk about in just a moment. But before we do, here's the opinions from down the pub. Before we started slurring, I have hastened to add, in the Evening Star, where I was chatting to, I think it was three or four of the Grimsby fans who were really good value. They've had a great day out. They really enjoyed themselves. Um, they were full of praise for us um, in terms of um, just the reception that we all gave them, uh, the way the club were as well. And um, they've really enjoyed themselves. So let's just have a quick listen to that next. Uh, right, here we are, post-match. Saturday. Oh, no, Sunday evening. Sunday. Fuck, I can't get over this. 19th Sunday evening. March. 19th of March. It's the 19th of March. Yes. We're with Mick, who's a Grimsby Town fan. We just had the quarterfinal. OK, the, the end result was 5-0, and Brighton fans are obviously delighted with that. But we have to say top respect to Grimsby. The fans... The team, the players, the manager. It's been brilliant. Discuss. For me, absolutely amazing. The the, the class oozed beyond what we were. Um, but your keeper should have been sent off at 1-0. Yeah, All right. uh, yeah I've, I've seen the stills of that. That doesn't look good. No, it wasn't. He's a cheating gentleman. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, that, we 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 were very happy as Grimsy Town supporters to go in at half time at one 0 down. Uh, we knew we was the better team. Right, awesome, proud. Sorry about my voice, but it's a uh, lot of chanting. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got a feeling. I thought it might be something to do with that. All quick, the singing. Quick, quick goal in the second half. We were still in it. We 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 thought we were still there. Yeah, two 0 we were still in. Yeah, 2-0. We was like we were still in it. McAtee got through, got the corner. Should Johnny McAtee should have scored from that position. Yeah, three uh, 0 I just looked at the crowd and I thought we're getting forty five percent of this as yeah. revenue for our club. Yeah, and then um, the fourth goal. Yeah, great. I was happy with four 0 but then a dodgy fifth goal, home goal from Waterfall. I think it was. If I'm not misquoting. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. A bit of a kick in the teeth. Yeah, it was a, that that, yeah. that, that yeah. was a kick in the teeth. But 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 may may I say after the game, right, we went another pipe because we was advised by Brighton supporters not to try and get a train, and we got chucked out of the bar that we were not chucked out, but we got removed from the bar that we was in. And we were sent to the north bar with the home supporters, and fair play to him. They got they got us dancing in front. That's where we were. We yeah. should have seen you in there. They, they got us dancing. They got us dancing. Yeah. Uh, and there was all there was all chanting fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and they kept saying, "Mix, have we some more? Can we have some more?" <laughs> awesome day. Then we walked. Yeah. We, we walked. We walked out. We walked out the train station. We tried numerous pubs, not allowed because we we're football supporters. And then we come to the Evening Star, right and place. we met we met some lovely <laughs> knobheads, <laughs> yourself included. Well, well thank you. <laughs> but, <laughs> All, awesome day up to press. So happy days. Lakey, do you want to speak? Yeah, let's let's go over to. So you're Lakey, is that right? Lakey. Lakey. Yeah. All right. Day. Like I say, when we got into that bar with the Brighton supporters. It was what an atmosphere. Yeah, it, was it, awesome. it was great. It's what it's all about, isn't it? Football's about, but nine times out of ten you can't do that as a football fan because everybody's criminals. Yeah. But yeah. like I said, the amount of Brighton fans we spoke to and yeah. so we should look and the amount of Brighton fans said that was actually open that you scored a goal. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it's, it is unbelievable. A mate of mine had uh, a bet on 4-1. So when you had that shot which was tipped over, he was fucking a fuming. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. He should have scored it, really, and he, yeah. he'll know that himself. But it wouldn't have made a difference on I the mean, day, anyway. We're, it, the class difference was there to say. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we're here to celebrate the quarter-final. We've reached quarter-finals yeah. of the FA Cup. We're never going to do that again. Club. Yeah, we're never going to do that again. I mean, how, no, many, how many times has that happened? What, five or six times ever, in general? Eighty-four years ago. Eighty-four years ago for you guys in the core final. No, 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 a league, no, league two team. Nineteen thirty something it was. League two team. I think fifth yeah, time ever. I think. Is it? Yeah, I think so. The last time we got to the quarterfinals was um, when we was in the top division, eighty-four years ago. And there was a certain gentleman called Adolf Hitler who fucked it up yeah. for us. That's correct. And we've got what, a minute. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's had a, do you have to censor that? He's had a few. No, no. no <laughs> he's got a few. He's got a few dark moments to his, uh, his life. Yeah, but that's, that's the worst. That's isn't one it? of the worst. That's the worst. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. Same thing, isn't it? So. It's the same thing. Yeah. So maybe it's good for world peace that we didn't get to the semis. <laughs> so we just give up <laughs> and went. No, we don't want to get to the semis because of what happened last time. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a deep fucking scenario. At the end of the, Jesus. Day, the, end of the day, Brighton was very lucky not to win nine nil, <laughs> and there was uh, there was very well, lucky not to be down to ten men. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean that yes. that that I was well, in the all stand behind a goal opposite your, you. You're not going to put evidence on your podcast. Oh no no about, we'll, about your goalkeeper. No no we'll give the fair. Should have been sent off. We'll give Red the fair card reflection. all day long. Yeah, we'll give fair reflection. Yeah, that's right. Everyone in the all stand was going. Fuck. <laughs> That looks like See, that's outside the area. When we, when we played Southampton, right, yeah. VAR was on our side. Yeah. Yeah, we so still have the penalty. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. we rode our luck. Yeah. We, we know that. Don't we rode our luck. We love that. Yeah. Southampton are our friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but today, I think, to be fair, the ref, you're going to say this is an away supporter the ref didn't really want to give us a lot and VAR I don't feel was really on our side mm. however I mean that, that looked like he handled yeah, it the, the, exactly apparently the argument was it was outside the area but it wasn't definitely denying a goal scoring opportunity that's the wording Surely, that's been but used but isn't it deliberate hound ball outside but, the area so, so therefore it should have been a, yeah. yes and you should have had a free kick. We're all shitting ourselves going, oh, hang on. Ready to <laughs> fight. If, if the yeah. people took out the situation, which you've got to do in them situations, yeah. that striker just taps it in. Because you've got to get rid of the goalkeeper then, yeah. you? In the argument, you've got to get rid of him. Yeah. I don't know why he kicked, he didn't kick it out. But there we go. So, but, but to be fair, right, on the other side of the coin, a lot of teams, when they go down to 10 man, Fight even harder. Yeah. So it it could have it could have been a completely different game where you'd have hammered oh, yeah. us even more. So yeah. we're not saying you know what. You, you know what I mean. It, yeah. It's just it's just the consistency with either the referees or VAR, which is our problem. Here we go. Right. So you you so you guys you you've been down for a year for the whole weekend or yeah yeah we're going back tomorrow oh, we, yeah, we'll have you had a good time and did you take oh, over the right. pier 
Were you no, on the pier? No, no, last night. We wasn't here last night. <laughs> oh, right. We, come, tonight, we yeah. come down this morning. Yeah. Um, but I would... What's already been said, I would just like to say the same. Your fan base has been brilliant. They've welcomed us in to any... Well, the North Stands or the stadium, which is a lovely stadium. Um... There's a couple of pubs that wouldn't allow us in because we're away supporters, which you get that everywhere. Yeah. However, every supporter we've spoke to, your home supporters, have been brilliant. Yeah. And we wish you all the best. The so, that, it, we was we was in there and and your own fans were singing fish. <laughs> Which is like, how the hell is this happening? Well, listen, your fans were singing palace songs at the train. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was yeah. a bit of banter going on. There, wow. The palace song. Honestly, yeah. no, what a great atmosphere. I'm, it is. I like to think that, that that's that's how we are. We and that's the be. way the football yeah. should be. You want it to be about, let's chat about football. We want to see each other every week. And David has joined us. And we're doing it, we're recording. Uh, all right, get in there, David. Get in there, David. He's a, he's a great lad, David. Yeah. Get it down, here, boy. Get it down, here. Uh, yeah, I'll go for an. Uh, I'll go for. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, a, a crush or something? It's called a crush. I'll have a crush. Yeah. Ponzi sudden bears. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no. Honestly, we we loved it. We loved it. I stayed behind. A lot of people did. To applaud you guys off we, the pitch. We, met, we actually we waited for a while, by the way. You guys were up that end for quite a while. It, it must have been 10, 15 minutes yeah, before yeah. they went off. And yeah, no, we, we did recognise that. Oh, good. I'm, we, that. No, no. We, we recognised that. And, and we thank you for that. I mean, I know, I know the you're not one today, the, but the, 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 the you've respect. Had a brilliant run. Oh, and without you, a doubt. You deserve that, of course. We, without a doubt. We, we come down here today expecting, right, to celebrate. The achievement yeah. again to the quarterfinals, well, you were clearly, and that's what it was. You were having a party, weren't you? Oh, without a doubt. of the result, you could see. When it didn't matter. It didn't yeah. matter. The result, you could. Okay, we wouldn't have wanted it. You could have won us ten nil. We would have still have had that party, and yeah. to see them players at the end, they didn't want to go off. Yeah. And and, and same with you, home fans that will stay there to see that. Yeah. Which is very, very respectful. That's that's what we want to be. And that's, know you know, uh, <laughs> it's just not something you recognise in football nowadays. And and that's a tribute to your club. Well, thanks. Thanks now, to say that. And well, that is true. We're glad that impressions come across. Because yeah. we, we like to be like that. And we're, we're a friendly club in general. You, we've got some dickheads. You've got some dickheads. We all, we are, all clubs have got that. Yeah. But there's going to be individual scenarios where someone does something. Like, oh. Yeah. But the overall impression has to be good, and I, I, and I you've hope got that. that that's what's happening. You have, I, I, re, I remember. I'm quite old, so, so I, I, re, yeah. I remember you playing us against us in the lower leagues. I remember you getting relegated and all the rest of it. 2003, I was there. Do you know what, by the way, I've got a story about that. We parked down a little side road, a dead end. You know, one of those houses, one of those roads has got about 10 houses on either side. And we thought, this is a bit awkward. It's very local to park here. But it was free and we thought, okay. Went to the game, got relegated. You guys, I think, had already gone down, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we went down and Stoke won anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. And then we got back to the car. And we're sorting out. The, I went with my missus. We're sorting out the car, shifting bits about. And this guy in this tiny front garden, 
who clearly seen that we Brighton fans and we parted his local road could have got shitty about it quite understandably and he goes do you want a top up on your flask I saw a flask of um, really was tea. I thought I, thought I loved it this is brilliant that's what it should be though yeah yeah but to see to see where you are now is a club like we were yeah is brilliant and your stadium is amazing oh thank you it is Yeah. we've had a great day We've been through some shit. I know you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you know all that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's great to be able to welcome fans who have been in a similar position to us or are in a similar position to how we were and to be able to welcome me, have a drink and, okay, the result didn't go your way. You probably knew that. It was, it was likely. Yeah, no, I'm not percent sure. Yeah, yeah. It's going to make up, but however. I'll tell you, I was shitting myself because... Not because I didn't think we'd win. I thought we probably would win. But if we didn't win, I was just thinking about all the Palace fans are going to take the piss out of us. I've got to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's always a downside. There's always a... There's always jeopardy. Something, jeopardy. something else you're looking at. Yeah, exactly. But, but at 1-0 down at half time, it was like... Yeah. We've still got a big chance yeah, here. Yeah. You know, and you um, never know. You never know. It, it, that's the beauty of the FA yeah. Cup, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But, but as, as, a, as a town fan... You know, we, we've been to a lot of stadiums where they don't, they don't, it's not the respect, it's they just don't want us there. Now, it's like I said before, we went in the North Stand and we was more than welcomed in there. And, and I think that is a big bond now going forward yeah. to, to respect between both clubs absolutely and that's and that's what football's about let's hope you get a friendly or something like that well, that'd be ace wouldn't whatever. it yeah, yeah it'd be brilliant yeah. it would yeah so, what's your name by the way my name's Mark Mark yeah great to have you on the podcast Mark do you want to get your man behind here yeah you Charlie quick word Charlie come on quick word younger lads What's your views of this? How have you enjoyed the day? I know, obviously, the result's disappointing, but how have you enjoyed the day? Oh, yeah, I mean, it was a good day, good fan base that you've got. Good game, we just celebrated our quarter-final yeah. in the FA Cup, because I doubt it'll never happen in my lifetime again. Well, you never know, you never know. What I've got to say, I took a couple of videos of you guys. I was in the North Stand, directly opposite where you guys were, and it looked fantastic, especially when you were celebrating at the end. They were doing the, what is it, Neil Diamond song and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the, whoever's on fire, your defence is something or other, or whatever. <laughs> whatever the song is. Uh, you guys, you're having a party. And I thought, this is great. This is what it's all about. You guys are out here, you're having a good time, yeah. whatever happens. Uh, you're having a good time and you're um, you're enjoying yourself and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Well, yeah, obviously we're in the quarter-final of the FA Cup. Yeah. And we're beating five teams higher than us, so obviously... Also, can I, can I just say, Burnley got absolutely dicked 6-0 yeah. at Man City. There's only one division... Literally, there's an exact division in terms yeah. of positions and table yeah. between, well, more or less. They're, they're top of Championship, City a second in Premier League. Six goals in that. You guys are five, even though five doesn't sound great. It's not so bad, is it? Yeah. Well, it could have been worse. It in be in worse. all of... All um, about the result for yeah. Grimsby's about being in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Can I also just say I've got a mate who's a Lincoln fan, and, 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 and I asked, him, I asked him, I said, "Who are you supporting in this game?" Be you. I, he said, "I'm not supporting anyone." 
but I am rooting for Grimsby. No way. I, I'll show you the quote in a moment on my phone. He said, I'm, I'm rooting for them because they're the underdogs. He's a proper fan. He, yeah, it's the underdog thing. And he said, I don't expect it's going to happen, but I'm rooting for them. And he said, whoever wins it, he hopes, hopes wins it. Uh, don't forget, Lincoln got to the quarters as a non-league team. And do you know who they beat on the way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he never, never lets me forget that. If you're listening, as hello, as <sighs> but a message from the Grimsby boys to as Lincoln fan. We hate them, <laughs> but you appreciate the support. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Fair, fair, fair play to you. However, that is very unusual with the banter between Grimsby and Lincoln I, I, I find that very hard to believe but uh, good to you mate that, that is, that, I, just, I just can't believe you actually said that <laughs> honestly I'll show you in a minute <laughs> boys it's fair been a pleasure and, and I hope you've really enjoyed the rest of the week we uh, and like I say I just want to say before we go off thank you to you guys the fans you've been brilliant you've made it even better than what it would have been you know the result didn't matter we knew you know we've rode our luck because we didn't want a rugby result however you guys being able to sing fish and your home fans singing fish back to us in the in the north stand was amazing and that's that's part of history. Thank you very much. Fantastic. I think the uh, Grimsby fans were definitely enjoying themselves, regardless of the uh, result, as you can tell from the uh, the audio there. And we had a great time, lovely bunch, and um, hopefully they're listening. I did uh, get take one of their numbers to send them a link. So if you are listening, boys. Thanks again for your uh, for your company. We really enjoyed having a couple of beers with you and uh, hope you had a safe trip back and enjoy the rest of your weekend. And um, good luck for the rest of the season. I know they've got a goalless draw already away from home in one of their games in hand from the cup run uh, since we uh, since we seen them. So um, they could still... Yeah, I was one of them. It was going to Mansfield last night. Never... Oh, blimey. God, he's getting the miles in, isn't he? Um, yeah. I looked they at filled the... that end. They filled the... Uh, filled oh, yeah, the... yeah. It's 4,621 tickets they had where they were given and sold out in 12 at hours. At Mansfield, they sold out, yeah. Oh, sorry, at Mansfield, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I don't think they had 4,621 at Mansfield. Yeah, I was going to say, blimey, that's impressive. That's way then for League 2, isn't it? I can confidently confirm they didn't have 4,621 at Mansfield. They did get a draw. I think they're 14 points away from the playoffs and relegation. So... Um, with the games in hand, that basically means they're closer technically yeah. to the playoffs. They could do it with a long, amazing it's run. It's going to be a more relaxed end, though, to the season lately than last season when they had one of, one of the most staggering playoff runs ever in oh, history amazing. of football. That Wrexham game, was it 5-4? Yeah, 5-4. I, was, I watched that game on TV and it, at home. It's like one of the most incredible games of football. I mean, people talk about like the Liverpool-Milan game and things like that. That was one of the most incredible games of football I think I've yeah. ever seen. I loved it. I love the playoffs in general, especially yeah. as a neutral, and um, and the, including the National League. So I'll be looking forward to all that again this year. Um, it looks well, like Notts talk- County will be in the playoffs this year, having got like over 100 points in that league, which is I know, isn't it phenomenal. I think Wrexham can get 118, can't they, or something? Yeah, and the County aren't far behind. They're only about like four or five equivalent behind, I think, in that. 
So, just adds more weight to the argument they need another. I know this. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why it's separated these days from the from the league in that sense. It should be three up, three down, really. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the Crimsby game and bring Andy back into the equation here. So, a five nil win, seventy three percent possession, twenty two shots to four. 10 shots on target to two, six corners to two. All the stats, surprise, surprise, went in our favour. The most important one, obviously, being the 5-0 scoreline. Um, we got some players on the pitch who hadn't had game time before or, or got some more game time where they hadn't had much. I'm thinking most particularly of a, de- a debut for um, Ayari. And also we got Undav for a bit more time, which uh, he probably needed, but he managed to get another goal. So all in all, a lot of positives there. Uh, Man of the match on BBC was given as Evan Ferguson. I think I would probably be inclined to agree with that as well. Um, but there may be arguments for other people. We'll get views on that in a minute. But Andy, first of all, over over to you. What, what did you make of the game? How was your experience of the, the Grimsby match in general? Uh, it's terrific. Absolute proper FA Cup. Proper FA Cup uh, day. The whole I, I met some Grimsby fans on on the Saturday night, just on my on my way home from a night out, and they were you know exactly as you described. I mean, they 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 were under no illusions about what how they thought the game was going to go, but they were just down to have a good time. They were really enjoying it in town. Everyone had been really friendly with them. They were they were terrific. Um, value and uh, yeah, we parted on good terms. I said if I, I didn't bump into them on the Sunday, but I said I'll buy you a pint if, if I do see you. But they were great. Um, so you just got that vibe around on Saturday, sort of being around town. A lot of uh, Grimsby fans visible, and so it just had a sense of occasion about it. Um, and it was nice. You know, the pre-match build-up was good. It was nice to see you guys in the pub before and. And then when the game started, we just took care of business. You saw the team sheet. It was, if you were a Grimsby fan, you must have been thinking, oh, I knew we, <laughs> that you must have been, it must have been a sigh of disappointment as it was more or less a full strength side. And clearly we just went out there to make sure we got the job done as quickly as possible. And, um, and, and we, uh, we got out of the traps quickly got the early goal um, which was just put everybody at ease and then it, the, the game settled in, into a nice nice easy pattern I think you know Grimsby immediately just sort of like stretched the field just crowded crowded us out a little bit and um, we were a bit, little bit a little bit wayward with some of our chances that we had in that first half and so even though Deserby was reportedly disappointed with the um, with, with the first half performance, which again is encouraging, he's, he is not letting that Charlton game go. I, I personally think losing to Charlton was probably the best thing we could have done done this season because every single ounce of complacency has been knocked out of this team by by uh, Deserby, who's going to remind them of that every time they fall below the required standard. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really good. Really pleased for Dennis Sundab to get to get a goal. Um, he might have had one or two more in the game, but I I, I thought he played. I thought he played pretty well. Got him, you know, he's, he's always looking for the ball. He's linking up quite well. Is he a brilliant? Is he a top level player yet? Yeah, I would say he's probably not, but he's but he's working on it. And um, I think the more, yeah, the more opportunities he gets, the better he's going to get. He's got a, clearly got a very good attitude. He's not above his station. I think he knows that he's got a lot to learn 
and he's got to put the work in. So yeah, really encouraging start. But yeah, I mean the, whole, the game, and then the second half again had a bit of a rocket and just took the just he became the Evan Ferguson show with yeah. Yeah, very spectacular, spectacular second second um, second goal for the Albion. Um, and the goal that I enjoyed, well, the goal that I enjoyed the most was actually Ferguson's second because he made it look so easy. And there was no question that that ball was going to go into the net and it was going in hard. And even though it looked this relatively sort of simple, unflashy goal, it's just, it's just like, oh, this is a, this is going in. It's just a chance it's going in. There's no doubt. And, yeah, and, and, that, and that is something that we haven't seen from our strikers in yeah. a long, long time. It's, you know, we've, I mean, I think that's why he's getting all the plaudits. He's, he's just in the right place at the right time. I mean, his run, he, the way he timed his run for the disallowed goal was just exemplary. Just gives defenders very little chance to defend him. Um, absolutely, absolutely superb performance. And then he, you know, rounds off his week with a goal last night for Ireland. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he scored on his first full debut. Um, he's come on as a sub before, but it's his first start um, last night as we as we speak here on Thursday. And um, yeah, I mean, he, it, was a, it was what I would call a technical hat-trick, a bit like McAllister's, you know, he did put the ball in the net three times. And all three of them were brilliant finishes. I think that that second goal that he did, that was allowed, that he scored, that would have been the hat-trick goal. Um, in particular, as you said, he made it look really easy. What I think it was, he tried to nudge it past the defender. It didn't quite work. Then he got the ball back, laid into him. His first touch was just to get it under control. Yeah. The second touch is obviously to push it forward, to run onto, to kick. But the the exact amount of pace on that ball sounds like a simple thing just to nudge it forwards and then run onto it but he could have easily tapped that a bit closer to him out of a caginess if he as a young player still inexperienced and then maybe got closed down or had a, a little bit more to do with the finish but he had the confidence to just push it that bit further knowing he wasn't going to overhit it and then he had exactly the right amount of space to run onto it and put it away and with his first goal, obviously that was that was allowed. Um, brilliant, the takedown. It's it's a high ball in the area. One touch to take it down. The second touch, he was going to need to just get it nestled under control. But what he did, he took when he took his shot, he got that shot away as as soon as it bounced. He knew he was going to have to wait for it to bounce to avoid a miss hit. Let it bounce, and as he as it bounced, he he caught it, which is the sign of just a great striker, the small little details that you probably you could look at and not even notice. But when you keep seeing him doing it and start analysing it, or as we're doing, we're doing it earlier because we already want to see what he's doing and, and so on. It's it's fantastic to see, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Peter? I think, it's quite, I think it's quite astonishing, given our goal-scoring problems over the years in the Premier League, that we actually have five current players who could hit double figures in all competitions this season. So there are, there are currently Grosh... McAllister, Mitima, March and Ferguson are all on at least six, I think it is, in all competitions. Yeah. And Andrew, Trossard, having, having been on... Yeah, I was going to say, and Trossard would almost certainly yeah. have done if he'd stayed. Yeah. So we've got, we, we could have had six players in double figures this season, which is, you know, I know quite a few, a few of them are cup goals for some players and that sort of thing, but that's amazing. I mean, March is incredible. I mean, his goal was my favourite because we just patiently built up for about five minutes beforehand almost, and then of all people, Webster puts the cross in and March heads it, heads it in, which is... Yeah, exactly. A chip ball, diving header. 
Diving yeah. header. Oh, Love like a diving header. Certainly Sonny's first diving header he's ever scored from. Wasn't it Joe's diving header against Arsenal in the Cup as well? Yeah, it him? was. Yeah, that first, that first game he played. But yeah, you'd expect it more from Leo, not so much from Sonny. But maybe that's part of his new deal. He's got to score more like diving headers. It's 18-12 goals header, it's not, yeah, not diving headers. I genuinely can't quite believe what's happened to him as, a, as an example. I mean, he whatever RDZ has done to him is beyond me because the player who uh, Charleston missed what looked like an absolute sitter and then blasted his penalty over the bar and looked absolutely disconsolate afterwards. And then almost the next, literally the next game, he scores one of the best goals of the season, could end up being the goal of the season at the end of the season, arguably, at Southampton. And from there, he's not looked back and he's got eight, say eight goals in 12, plus a number of assists in that time as well. And he, he just looks so good. And at one point, you wouldn't have thought he was going to score ever again. Well, I, d- I did um, sort of semi-famously for a match day special say he's caned it, as in uh, reference to the Harry Kane missed penalty. But he's kind of like, since that, he caned it that way. He's pretty much caned it in the other sense uh, yeah. for the rest of the season, hasn't he? Eight goals in 12 games. He's been outstanding in most of the matches, man of the match in some of them, um, a lot of them. And um, he's he's been a constant danger. He's been a constant threat. He's, he's, he's getting all of the praise that... Um, Really, um, we didn't think we were going to see. I'm wondering if I can't say I'm a, a massive fan of him, but Graham Soonis was championing his cause way before he was doing what he's doing now, uh, Solly. And, um, he's going to probably have a whole told you so thing going on, uh, to anyone that will listen. Uh, but to be fair to him, he did call it out saying he's got, he's got, you know, the talents there. I, I don't think he's in a position to do that, seeing as his view on Deserby was that he'd been, <laughs> he hadn't managed in, in England and he was. And he, and he, and he, what was the other one? He managed too many clubs in a relatively short space of time and was a huge risk. Yeah, I knew, I knew I could tease that response out of you instantly. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, I, I can't believe what RDZ has done in such a short space of time. The guy, I mean, he came in when we just lost Potter, we lost all our staff. You know, yeah. we, we keep losing players as well. You know, Pesuma and Kukurea done in the summer. Trossard again goes in, you know, not long afterwards in effect, yeah. only a month and a half afterwards, football wise. And he has just built this, yeah, this amazing team who are so good to watch. And I mean, and I know towards the last 15 games of Potter were brilliant. And before that, obviously, I was always a bit on the fence. But after the last 15 games, he was super, we were superb under Potter. And he's just mm-hmm. built on that. And after a, a slightly iffy start, not winning in the first five, he has, yeah, we have been incredible since then. And yeah, it's a joy to watch. Even then, Liverpool, the first game of three. Yeah. Great with a great goal. that, we just struggled to score, didn't we? We had one goal in four and didn't win in that time. And but yes, yeah, since he's got his kind of like since that Chelsea game, our fortunes and Potter's fortunes have kind of gone the opposite directions, really. Well, just the, the final goal, just to mention, was Mitterma did get on the score sheet again, although it was a heavily deflected one. It basically bobbled off both legs of the standing defender that was in his way, and it took quite a bit of the pace off what wasn't a particularly powerful shot anyway, but still squeezed past the goalie, and that would have been a bit of an agonising final goal to concede uh, for Grimsby. He also and, missed a really good chance for a second at the end as well. Yeah, and a friend of the show, Wedge, had a bet on 4-1, so he's fuming when Sanchez saved that uh, that shot at 4-0, which was a good save, actually, although you'd expect him to save it. But yeah, 5-0 in the end, could have been more. He had two shots, actually, just went past the post, didn't he, Mittimer? But, Anas, to bring you back in, I mean, what what have you made of Deserby so far, and particularly the guys we've been talking about there, Solly and and Evan Ferguson, and the season in general? what have you made of it, and in particular as it relates to this game as well? I, I think um, 
uh, De Zerbi um, is done brilliantly. But um, but also, I, th- I think you've got to go back to the beginning of the season um, because it, I think it's wrong to say that Zerbi has turned Albion into a great team. And, and, and also, I think you've got to give credit to, to, to Graham Potter because if you recall, for the first six games of the season, um, we won four, lost one, drew one, and we were knocking in goals left, right and centre there. And I think he's Zerbi has, has graciously come along and uh, and continued the, the great work of, of, of Graham Potter. I think we wouldn't have been far off where we are now if Graham Potter had stayed, quite honestly. But but who knows? It's gone it has to be said we had a great um, start but, last but what season. What he has well, done, yeah. sorry, we had a great start last season as well, and then fell away under Potter. Yeah. Where we, we didn't <laughs> right. both seasons. Yes, that's always possible. Yeah. Um, but uh, but what I think Deserbi has done, I, I remember more or less one of his first things he said. You know, I want I want Solly Marsh, uh, Solly March scoring more goals, and um, and and when he when you um, hear his conferences, you know, you have to concentrate to to hear what he says. But um, every now and again, he comes out with a gem. You know, I'm going to play them. I'm not going to do this and whatever. Which um, which Graham Potter never did. It was always he, he kept everything close to his chest. Um, so I think he's he's more inspirational. I think you know he he's getting and and someone like uh, to put someone like Ferguson in and to keep him in. I think it is is terrific. And I don't think I don't think a lot of lot of managers would do that. No, no, it's a, it's it's a leap of faith, and it, he's shown belief and trust in him to do that, and it's paying off. I think where Undav's concerned, he's obviously not getting the game time, and he's not going to be performing to the same levels by default because of not playing so regularly. But it's interesting to know why he's not getting the game time. That, that's obviously what's go- whatever's going on behind the scenes, personality, training, whatever it might be, um, or just, just not a belief in his ability, I don't know, uh, as much. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's giving Fergie the time. There's been the, the, On the BBC, There's a, the article said, although March and Mittimer were on target again and provided a constant threat down the flanks, it was Ferguson's performance that really stood out. For long parts of the game, it was under, an understated showing from the striker who is not often directly involved in the build-up phase play, but created space for others with his movement, which I fully agree with. I think a lot of it was unsung work. Uh, But it said, however, in front of goal, he was clinical with his first goal, showcasing the finish and technique that have seen him shine in this exciting Brighton team. And Danny Murphy, also on the BBC, who was doing the punditry for the game live on uh, in the afternoon, said, um, this kid is a superstar, honestly. He's got great feet, technical ability. He's calm, powerful, and plays the role really well. You don't see him out wide. He stays central and is always a target. And he said, I can't see a weakness in his game at the moment. For, the eight, for an 18-year-old, the maturity he shows in his game is phenomenal. Peter? I was going to say that's as Andy said, our second goal and uh, Ferguson's first was brilliant from him. And it was actually the first time pretty much all game where he'd had any space. And in essence, he, did, he didn't really have that much on. He was like 10, 12 yards out, back to goal. Yeah, it was so quick the way he took it down, took another a quick touch and then just lost it home. And yeah, any other, any, anything other than that, they'd have had time to close him down, but he was so fast doing it. Um, it was it was a really, really well-taken goal. And yeah, I, I know it's people will say it's League 2 defenders, that sort of thing, but it's quality like that that you can do, that you need to do in the box. I mean, he's shown it against Leicester with that header. He's shown it against Everton with the movement to go back though, behind the defenders. He showed it against Arsenal, like Bustling against the Arsenal defenders as well. He he's mm. really does look you know, proper. You know, he's the next Aaron Connolly. <laughs> Stop it. Stop that. I would also, I would also <laughs> include 
because I, I think it, uh, it it shows another uh, thing that he can do. If you remember uh, in the Everton game, he did a 20-yarder that just went over the bar. He's got a powerful shot on him as well, you know, which which we haven't seen much of at, at the moment. But he can, he's got everything. And a powerful header. Fabulous that, header against uh, Leicester, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's Leicester. Yeah, the header at Leicester was, again, the thing that made that was the, was the run. It's the, the, defenders, the defenders didn't know he was there. Well, this is it. It's the and, uh, I mean, the actual—he was in so much space. It was—it was the actually finishing the header off was quite relatively simple, but he made it simple by yeah. by by finding by finding the space. It's, the football intelligence is off the charts mm. at the at the moment with him. If he keeps if he keeps this up, yeah. it, you know we we've got a re- we've got a really good player. Uh, he's physically. We just, just got a very exciting player, a bona fide, you know, a striker that we can be maybe be confident of reaching double figures pretty much every season. The next Bobby Smith. <laughs> well, next yeah, Bobby maybe. Smith, yeah, <laughs> he's he's a proper centre forward, physically and mentally mature for his age, eighteen years old. Um, Lineker, prior to Danny Murphy, has already been waxing lyrical about him as well, saying he's a proper centre forward. He's got it all. And there was one comment I think made about Lineker once saying he's got a habit of being, Lineker's got a habit of being in the right place at the right time that makes him a good striker. And Lineker's response to that at the time, this is quite a few years ago, was to say, well, I was in the right place all the time. And yeah. that's, that's the key to being a good striker. Now, I don't think he was playing his own trumpet. I think it was just a, a more of a, just a insightful response. But, um, that's what Ferguson's doing, isn't it? Because I mean, he yeah, scored the yeah, goal for I think, the I think it's been right style play. Of play. Hmm. Perfectly, because because of because we have so much possession, because we're looking, because we're basically you know our attacks are really based on through passes, breaking you know having you know t- taking the defenders out of the equation, getting the ball in behind them. So the 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 passers can do that; they can deliver the ball into those spaces, and Ferguson just makes sure he's in the in that space all the time, and eventually one or two of those are actually going to get to him. And, and and he's there to take advantage. I, I'm just so excited to see what, what he can do in the rest of this season. Yeah, indeed. Well, swing it back to Grimsby then. Um, what did you make of um, of the Mariners themselves? I mean, a brilliant value in terms of the fans. They had all the inflatable fish there, of course. Um, lots of noise. I was in the north, so you, you, know, you can't really hear it if you've got noise going on lo- locally within the stadium to yourself. But it sounded as if they're making a hell of a lot of noise, having a great time. But in terms of on the pitch, obviously they, they set up to try and stifle the, in a positive sense, you know, they were organised, they, they were battling, they gave it a good shot. They were looking very devoid of possibilities in the, in the forward spaces. That was the issue for them. And obviously we, we kind of rode that game kind of fairly well from that respect. Um, Andy, what did, what did you make of that? I mean, what, what, was, what, what did you make from, they, they look better with McAtee on the second half coming on. I don't know if he was unable to play a whole game or what was happening, but um, they at least looked a bit more threatening then, didn't they? I thought they were disciplined. I thought they were, I thought they, I thought they set up really well, particularly in the first half, successfully sort of kept us at bay. Um, I, I, you know, I, I thought against that, they couldn't really afford to to do too much going forward because we'd have just taken advantage of it. But what really impressed me was that they played us at football. There was no kicking. Yeah. No rolling around, no theatrics. They stuck to their task. They got on with it. 
there was no no shithousery from them. I, yeah, the amount of times you you know you can get into games like this and basically you're just getting lumps kicked out of you. And they were looking that, at you, Stoke City, from the last rounds. Yeah, they, yeah, and they, yeah, I mean they they that that was quite a petulant performance from Stoke, I thought, because we were too good and it seemed to annoy them. But Grimsby, I mean, they you know people are saying, oh, you know, we showed Grimsby some a lot of respect. I thought I thought they showed us some respect as well by by um you know by trying to play football the right way you know they the truth was we're so much better than them and and you know we knew it and they knew it and the, and the, and the game was kind of played in that in that spirit it wasn't a very competitive game but it was really refreshing to see to see them play like that clearly at their level I, you know, I could see I could see them improving, going maybe you know certainly certainly staying up and, and giving themselves a platform on which to build for next season. And I think and I think you know the way they conducted themselves was, was excellent. And you know they they got they got a fair amount of money from from that, especially as it was on TV. And the the chairman there is is the the people running the club are excellent. You know the Grimsby fans know that they've got proper Grimsby fans with their best interests at heart running it and they're not going to do anything stupid with the club. So all in all, I, I was impressed. They were, yes, of course they were limited, but that's just the way it is. I mean, we are now a bona fide up top of the Premier League side and we're kind of playing like it. And, and I was really, I thought from an Albion perspective, just to see us go out there and, and make pretty short work of it, after all the games that we've seen where we've made a meal meal of it playing lower league opposition where we've put out you know half a side there was no, there was none of that this time okay we you know we we were able to give some game time to you know fringe players at the end of the game which is hmm. which is exactly what you want to do in this situation yeah um, so, but yeah, Grimsby very, very impressed with them on and off the pitch. I thought that I thought they were great. You know, that's just the level they are. There's no disgrace in their performance. I, I don't think they let themselves down. I think you know the Mittermark goal was probably a bit, a bit of a kick in the teeth for them at the end, but and they were pretty knackered. But then they've been worked very hard. Yeah, and uh, the full strength was a, comp- yeah, a compliment to them that they were paying respects by putting out a stronger team. We wanted to make sure, obviously, we don't want to make any mistakes such as the Charlton scenario to start with. And um, I think, you know, we've got to get the job done to make sure. It would have been foolish to play a weakened squad and then to have certain factors go against us and an upset then could get caused and then we're missing out on a semi-final. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got the job done. But I'm really glad that Rimsby fans seem to have really enjoyed the, the cup run in general, but the occasion and the weekend itself as well. A lot of people... I bumped into and spoke to seemed to be uh, having a really good time, as you would have heard of from some of the audio we played earlier. Yeah, now, Peter, I know you've got to go shortly. I, I, guys, do the rest of you have to go, or should we um, have a break there before part three? Uh, or have you got any further comments on Grimsby before you go, Peter? Um, no, pretty much the same as Andy. You know, yeah, they they didn't come to kick us. They didn't really get out of their half in the first half. Second half, they tried to be a little bit more ambitious, and I think that's what happened. What you know, they tired and they tried to be a little bit more ambitious. And I think McAtee, they were saying maybe a little bit down, might be more defensive, but also he's only on loan. So whether they were trying to play the players who were there permanently or something like that, he's he was sold in the summer, I think, and then kind of is back on loan. So 
Of course, his brother um, won through with Sheffield yeah. United, so they they could have feasibly been meeting each other in the semi final or even a final. Who knows? Um, seems fanciful, but still, it was a great. That was a good story that was picked up by yeah. a lot of the media as well, wasn't it? I think it was on BBC. Yeah, it? his brother can't even play in the semi final, so because now they've got City, who is on is that he's on loan from City, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. There's two of them. It's him and the guy, the, the Dolan, who scored the the uh, Doyle, goal, yeah. Doyle, who scored yeah. the winning goal. Yeah, both yeah. of them are on loan from City, so can't play in the semi. Oh dear, what a nightmare for them! I think it's a foregone conclusion with respect to Sheffield United. Yeah, um, realistically, City, unless, unless City's first team, you know, just get really kind of I don't know, kind of get a real battle with Bayern on on the Wednesday and end up with a few injuries or something like that, and then you probably have to play your reserves. But even then, your reserves, you'd fancy to beat most teams in Premier League, let alone Championship. I'm just wondering how many people from Sheffield are going to be working the kitchens in the hotels in Wembley over the next few weeks. <laughs> wonder if there's a sabotage to be had there. Uh, but other than that, I can't see how they're going to get no. through. But, you know... No, it's United Man- or Brighton against Man City, pretty much, isn't it? And we've got United. It's uh, a revenge game of sorts, I suppose you could call it, for the 83 final. It's not quite the... I've yeah, played them a few times since then. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and getting the better of them in recent times as well. But we've got to do it again now. Um, fancy our chances? Definitely. Yeah. I'm quite glad we've got United because um, we can beat them. Hmm. You know, uh, they were very lucky to beat Fulham in the end, weren't they? They were, they were very lucky to beat Fulham. We're on course to win that. Until they decided they'd rather not win it, yes, they imploded, uh, and then just threw the game away in two minutes. Uh, I mean, that was bizarre, wasn't it? I mean, what on earth was going through uh, Mitrovic's mind is beyond me. I mean, there has been a slight overreaction to it as well, in the sense that people are comparing it to like Decanio and stuff, who actually shoved the referee over. He kind of tapped the referee. It was really, really quite, yeah. quite not very much. And I know you can't touch referee, but you, you look what Fernandez got away with for United last week, and then. You look at, you look at, um, you know, it's almost like there's one rule for United. And that is the one worry that, you know, we were playing, like, we'll be playing 13, 14 men plus VAR in the semi-final. It won't be 11 against 11. Well, I, th- I think in no, you know, Chris Kavanagh is not one of my favourite referees at all. I think he, I, he I, he's dreadful. He, I he's don't awful. like him, but he got all of those decisions right. It was a, the handball was a. Well, he didn't actually get that right though, did he? He didn't give it, technically. <laughs> Well, VAR got it right. Uh, well, the VAR got it right. It was a it was it was handball. It was handball. And it was a it was a red card yeah. for present for preventing a goal. Mitrovic had to go. And I like the way that um, it was like no question, not debating you. You're off, mate. Um, mm. That was correct, and I thought he handled that excellently. And Silva losing his rag as well over over a decision that was actually correct. Again, like you know. On, yeah, on, your bit... bike, son. on your bike, son, get. Um, and, you know, and even though, you know, even though I'll, <laughs> I will give referee stick during games, as people who sit near me would will attest, but I think it's different doing it in the stands than it is when you're on the pitch. Um, players shouldn't be able to behave like that and they, sh- and they should be dismissed immediately. Um, so... Fair play to the ref in that on in that instance that we did it. And Fulham, from the highlights that I saw, were absolutely bossing that game. United weren't even in it. And, and yeah. I think where they actually genuinely had a, com- a complaint is they could have had a penalty. I think probably that was where they were they they were upset. I, I haven't actually seen it, but they were saying that Mitrovic was fouled a couple at least once. They reckoned and 
Yeah, yeah. possibly. Well, I mean, the, Fulham have obviously had an FA charge. Man United have as well for surrounding the ref in the 71st minute. Um, I think, well, that's that makes a change because they do it every game. They just don't get yeah. charged hardly well, ever. The way, what they did around that Rashford goal when they, they thought Alonso was disallowing it for offside and they surrounded him. Yeah. It's disgraceful. And like Fernandez, especially, who is who seems to get worse behaviour every week. It's, it's appalling. I cannot stand that guy and I can't stand McTominay either. Appalling. Is he a your least favourite Portuguese footballer? That's the question. Uh, yeah, he is. I think I, I hate him more than... Uh, now well, Ronaldo's out of sight in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> well, he would be if Sky didn't keep showing coverage of his bloody games in Saudi Arabia. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he keeps missing them and lo- they keep losing games as well. It's quite funny. But anyway, that's that's that. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the, Lopetegui is another one actually from the weekend. Um, Wolves losing 4-2 at home to Leeds. Um, and... I mean, he was, he was kicking off about a load, load of stuff there. Johnny was uh, sent off quite rightly. Yeah. There was talk they might appeal it. I thought, what? Really? Ridiculous. Absolutely. That, that, was, that was as <laughs> bad straight away as you're ever going to see. Yeah. Dawson was lucky. And, I mean, it might, Adama Traore may have been found in the build-up to the goal. It was soft. It would have, if it was given, it would no, have been a soft. That's not. It's 3-2 in the last minute anyway. I mean, it's not. it almost certainly wasn't going to make any difference to the game. Mm-hmm. So, Even if he gets a free kick there, they've got to get into the area and they've got like 10 seconds left. It's not like it changed the game. Madness, madness stuff. Um, so anyway, that, that's... About our manager being uh, in the stands a lot lately. Well, it seems <laughs> to work well, so I'm quite happy with it, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. saying, can we... We've got the semi-final coming out. Can we get him sent off in the game before that as well? If that counts as a ban for the uh, for the semi-final, then we could beat United six 0 because we're clearly increasing each time, aren't we? Four 0 West Ham, five 0 against Grimsby. One 0 to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'll take anything. Um, and speaking of uh, Brighton, Manu in semi-finals, of course the women got through as well. A two 0 win. I think I'm a bit lucky by the sounds of it, but they got a two 0 win away at Birmingham, and they're in the semi-final. They've drawn Man United as well, so it's a double bill between the two. Peter's got to go, so thanks for joining us, Peter. You've got to go. We'll see you on the next one. Cheers. And um, yeah, I was going to say unlucky for Lewis. Lewis, of course, played their quarterfinal same day as the Albion's men's team, and Lewis lost to Man United. So it would have been theoretically a Sussex derby if they managed to pull off a surprise. I don't think that's how the draw works, is it really? But um, who knows? Who knows? Um, so anyway, we'll we'll take a break there. Um, I don't know if you you guys, have you got time, time to stay on for one small bit and third, third and final bit, or do you need to go? I can stay. Yeah, I yeah. can stay. Yeah, I can, I can hang around, yeah. Okay, we'll just take a quick break there and then we shall return. So welcome to the third and final part of this latest episode. Peter has departed, but we still have with us Andy Bass and our debutante, Alistair Rapley. Alistair, back to you, sir. Now, you wanted to talk, you mentioned earlier about Paul Welsh and uh, how you hadn't actually come along to Seagulls Ever London meetings, but knew him from before. And, of course, he founded um, the the Seagulls Ever London um, society, I suppose we can call it, uh, and uh, until his sad death a few years ago. Um, but you wanted to um, to add a bit more about uh, Paul, didn't you? So should we go over to you next for that? OK, well, I've made a, a short memoir of, of uh, my uh, my time with Paul um, right up to the time of his passing. And um, as, a, as a tribute to him, I, I'd like, if I may, to, to read it to you. Yeah. Um, in 
2010, I attended the 144th annual reunion of Brighton Hove and Sussex Grammar School in Dyke Road. The first man I met um, as I walked into the hall was Howard Blake. Howard Blake is a famous composer who, who composed Walking in the Air, which is in The Snowman. Um, I was placed um, at uh, table number 11, which I've got noted down, um, next to an accountant with from uh, Tower Hamlet's NHS Trust. It turned out to be Paul Welsh. I was at school from 1961 to 68. Paul was at school from 1971 to 78. At the uh, 2014 reunion, Paul and I agreed to take over the running of the half-yearly London Nights Out, which Richard White had been organising. Paul and I would meet up and go on pub crawls to find suitable venues. He was he was very um, very knowledgeable about pubs and, and beers and so on. Uh, being a yes. member of Camera, <laughs> I seem to recall that um, when um, when he was around, he would he would nominate for supporters various pubs in the north of England and the Midlands and so on. Is yes. that is that right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he knew a lot about things like that. Um, However, in 2016, at, uh, I was I met some old boys at the Sussex Cricketers Pub, actually, by the cricket ground, and I learned that Paul was in hospital, but no one knew which one. He had told me a few, a few weeks before that he'd been suffering from flu. I discovered that he was in the Royal Sussex County in, in the ICU as he needed support with breathing. It was early February that uh, whilst February 2017, while still in hospital, um, I, I, I went to visit him. He was recovering from pneumonia, still requiring oxygen. I learned from his next of kin for hospital purposes, it was uh, his girlfriend, Erica Blaney, who I recall meeting at one of our pub, uh, pub evenings. Um, after 10 weeks at, uh, at, uh, in the Sussex County, Paul was transferred to the Princess Royal in Haywards Heath as he was much, much improved. In, in March, again, I visited and he was sitting in a chair, no longer on oxygen and communicating very well. He spoke of Erica being his rock throughout his ordeal. It was very much the old Paul telling me to attend the old boys AGM and tell them a few facts. Also telling me how to plan our next London old boys night out. However, when Erica visited on Saturday, the 1st of April 2017, Paul suffered a cardiac arrest. He never regained consciousness and he passed away on Wednesday, the 5th of April, 12 days before Albion achieved promotion to the Premier League, the famous game against Wigan. In fact, um, I don't know if you recall, but um, there was a tribute to him during the game. His photograph came up on the screen and, uh, and there was applause and there was a terrific um, uh, eulogy in the programme about him, which I have. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. In 1994, Paul founded Seagulls Over London. To my eternal regret, I did not attend uh, Sol uh, when Paul was alive, although he's always encouraging me to do so. Hmm. The funeral was held in Patcham on Monday, the 24th of April. And um, Erica had um, had asked everybody to to wear to wear um, football garb, and in fact, his his coffin was draped in photographs of all the famous um, Albion players, which was quite something. Mm. I, I also met uh, Paul Samra for the first time, and the funeral director, of course, was Ian Hart, um, who who I hadn't met before. Um, and. Suddenly, just before the uh, the funeral was due to start, the doors flew open, and in marched 
Tony Bloom, Paul Barber and all the Albion directors festooned in, in Albion scarves. It was quite something to see and quite a tribute to Paul, of course. Um, as Erica wanted everyone to wear Albion colours at the funeral service in Patcham Church, I wondered if she would allow me to call for three cheers for Paul at the end of the service, with the vicar's approval, of course. When we learned the wake was going to be at, Amex, at, at the Amex, we decided we'd better to mark the three cheers down for this event. In fact, Paul had, the reason for doing this was Paul was prominent at our lunches in calling for three cheers for the school at the end of the lunch. This had been a tradition of our school at the end of each term assembly. So my mind started working overtime and I suggested to fellow old boys that it'd be great if we could sing our school song followed by the three cheers. I made the following speech. We are the old boys of Brighton Hove and Sussex Grammar School, which became Brighton Hove Sussex Sixth Form College in 1975. Paul was at the school between 1970 and 1977, so he was present when the school's status changed. Paul took great interest and was active in the affairs of the Past and Present Association, which held its 150th annual reunion lunch last July. At the grammar school, we sang the, the school song at the end of each term, followed by three sets of three cheers. This tradition has been carried out rigorously at our annual lunches, and it's particularly poignant because in recent years it was Paul who called for the final set of three cheers for the school. The title of the song is Absque Labore Nihil, which is our school motto, which translates as without work, nothing. This is particularly apt as today we remember Paul's life, as he certainly lived up to these words. As a tribute to Paul and with Eric's permission, we're going to attempt to sing two verses plus two choruses of our song, followed by three sets of three cheers. So everybody, please help us to raise the roof. We will now try to recreate the magic of that afternoon in July when there were over 130 persons present. But please note we have no piano accompaniment, so the chances of us starting and finishing together are slim. And we then, uh, after the song, there were three cheers, one for the school, three cheers for the Albion and then three cheers for Paul. I think I should mention that um, as we gathered to sing the song, a certain Ray Bloom came to join us. Um, Tony's uncle, because he is an old boy of the school as well. And I've met him a couple of times at the reunion. So it, uh, it was a fabulous event at the Amex. In fact, Paul, Paul, um, Paul Barber said a few words about Paul. And he said um, Paul was um, always asking him questions about the Albion. And, um, and Paul said it, it rather felt like that, that uh, although he was asking the questions, Paul Welsh knew very well the answers. But he just wanted to make sure that Paul Barber knew the answer as well. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds very much like him, actually. That's a great, that's a great thing. That that's a great tribute. I, I wasn't able to go to the funeral, but um, I, I hear it was a uh, quite an affair. And um, yeah, he, he did a lot for um the Albion Family for All campaign. Uh, just an ardent fan in general, all the way through uh, the good times and the bad. Um, yeah, I think he was a natural pessimist about the building of the new stadium. Uh, said honestly, he went at the Seagulls over London meetings at the time, but he kept pulling out a sheet with a, a graph of how we weren't going to fill the stadium. He was convinced uh, because we lost a generation and he didn't think anybody would be coming back in such numbers beyond about, I think, ten or 11,000. This was based on previous attendances in certain eras and so on. But um, but he was, uh, yeah, he was a, a very likeable guy still. And um, 
Uh, we shared many a good evening. We had Tony Bloom at the Royal Oak Pub where we used to meet, and we had mm-hmm. Gus Poyet there. Uh, to think we had people like that in a small upstairs room of a pub, um, it's much smaller than the ones we meet in today. It seems ludicrous now, uh, but all sorts of people there. And um, uh, he, he organised a lot. He did it all just as a volunteer, thankless uh, sort of task of organising everything. Um, but we really enjoyed some great some great times under his um, chairmanship and. Uh, it's it's a changed beast now. We've got a much larger membership, and it's uh, it's turned into much more of a a wider scope thing. But um, I'd like to think that we could still have a, some decent real ales to remember him by. Right. And uh, and finally, um, last year, of course, it was announced that his state his estate made a major contribution to the the women's training facility that was built in Lansing. Yes, yeah, yes. which is brilliant, which yeah. is wonderful, superb. And uh, Andy, did you ever meet him, Paul Welsh? Uh, yes, I did. Um, mostly through like the, the Falmer for All um, campaign. I, you know, I was I knew quite I knew quite a few people who were involved in that. Um, so we just sort of moved in some of the same circles, and uh, obviously never far from the bar at the pub either. So. Um, yeah it, yeah, it was really nice. He was a really nice guy, and it was very sad when he passed. Um, There's like a lot of a lot of those figures, like some of those figures that were heavily involved mm. in getting the Albion back to Brighton initially, and then getting getting Falmer. Um, yeah, really sad loss. But yeah, it was a lovely man, and I was fortunate enough to meet him on a number of occasions. So. Uh, yeah, much missed. It was, a, it was a real shock when he when he went. Yeah, yeah. It was so he was, sad he was, that he, he never saw Albion in the Premier League, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. He was, a, he was a big. He was a big part of the return to to. He was a big part of the Amex campaign. Yeah, uh, I think you know, absolutely huge part of it, and it, yeah, it was. It was really, uh, really, really sad when when he passed. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't get to see us in the pram, but the good thing is, oh, he did get to see us go to the Amex uh, to start yeah. to flourish. And he would have known, you know, even with his pessimisms, <laughs> he would have known that we were on our way there by that stage. As the song went that season, um, we were very much on our way by then. And I think he knew. At least he would have died knowing um, that we were going to achieve that ultimate goal of getting into the Premier well, what was the ultimate goal at the time of getting into the Premier League we've got other goals now haven't we guys <laughs> yeah we've got new goals now we've, we've we've literally moved the goalposts and if we can move them over the English Channel that would be uh, fantastic <laughs> absolutely well it's it's been a pleasure chatting uh, to you both and and to Peter of course earlier as well Alistair it's been great having you on for your debut I've really enjoyed Thank it you. Interesting stories there, and I'm, I'm, I love the. Uh, I don't know if you call it a eulogy. It's not really at a funeral, but it's um, a sort of a tribute to Paul. I think it's uh, it's lovely. It's good. It's good to hear that, and and sort of memories of from what you had from the funeral itself, and and it was outstanding that you know that Tony and Paul turned up there as well. It's, it's classy from them, isn't it? It um, is. I kind of expect it actually from them because they are like that. But um, it's, it's great that they did. It's fantastic. Um, so, Alistair, thank you for coming on. I'm sure we'll get you back on at some point in the future. Um, and Andy, I'm sure we'll get you back on soon as well. Um, in the meantime, we've got an international break so we can relax. And we're just going to go off probably and watch England's uh, minus Duncan March. Uh, probably <laughs> fail to beat Italy, aren't we now? <laughs> 
this, this will all be out of date very soon by the time people listen. But anyway, um, thank you both for joining us. And um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, Andy, to help lead out. So stand or fall. Up the Albion. Way. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.